Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Today is Talk to Tanya or Ping the Prof Tuesday. Actually, I'm recording on a Wednesday because I don't know if you know, but evidently Mercury was in retrograde again. And I had two great episodes lined up. One episode was going to be with Kristen Smith, the executive director of the Blockchain Association. We recently participated in a blockchain inauguration forum. She was a fantastic guest. Also spoke with Hill Harper, Kai Sheffield from Visa. I wanted to have a more in-depth conversation with Kristen and we had a fantastic conversation. But evidently, something happened to the recording. There was a bit of it. We spoke well over 40 minutes and then nothing, nada, (laughs) zilch. So I didn't have that. And then I had a great idea to connect with a former colleague and friend, Mike McCann, who is the legal analyst for Sports Illustrated, as well as a professor at the University of New Hampshire School of Law. We had to coordinate and reschedule a couple of times in order to meet. He showed up on Saturday. I had to travel for some medical issues forgot to hit send to let him know. And so he was fired up and ready to record and I was nowhere to be found. So evidently, I'm not supposed to have a guest this week. I'm supposed to just talk to you. You're my guest, my favorite listeners. And so what I'm going to do is turn this tragedy, (laughs) this podcast tragedy into a triumph and start what I hope will be a new segment one time a month where you can ping the prof ask me your questions. I receive a lot of questions. That might be a question right now. (laughs) I receive a lot of questions and oftentimes I tweet about it or send answers out in my newsletter, but I decided to connect with you all and to do some of that one time a month that I will use an episode devoted to answering your questions and talking about what's going on in the news. So we're going to do that today. And there are several things that I want to address. One question that I receive almost as often as what is crypto or what is Bitcoin or blockchain? That's always like the top. But the next thing is, is it too late to get in slash do I have to buy one Bitcoin? Which is very daunting when you look at the current price today. It is, I'm recording on February 24th at 10.15 Eastern time. I can't remember what UTC time that is. I'm going to start talking in UTC time because I have found out wonderfully that this show is popular in at least 17 different countries. So I want to honor the global impact of Tech Intersect. And I'm really excited that so many from around the world are 
tuning in. That's amazing. So someday I will learn how to speak in UTC time. For now, we're talking Eastern time. And as it stands now, the price of Bitcoin is the equivalent in USD of $49,080.77. There's been a $115.80 price change in the last 24 hours with the slight tick since I began speaking of 49000 and change. It's, it's quite a lot of volume right now and quite a lot of dips and rises in the price over the last seven days. And so I did want to highlight that. But one of the biggest things, again, is do I have to have an entire Bitcoin? Do I need $49,000 to purchase in the same way you often need to buy an all or none with stocks, for example? And crypto is taxed in the United States as a capital asset in the same way as property. And so you are experiencing capital gains and losses and all of that. And so let's see, last Wednesday, the price was at $51,109. This is Bitcoin again. On the 19th at 51, it had gone up a bit to like 53 and come back down. Then it really started to chug. It really started to rock. 52 in the span of one day shot up. Uh, just before the 20th to 56,000. I see in between the 20th and 21st, we have the price going up to $57,356 and change, pulls back a scotch to 55, and then hits the latest all-time high, the high over the last seven days, $58,330. And then there were some rumblings in the ecosystem, and by ecosystem, I mean all of the crypto sphere. And some experts believe that the rumblings about an announcement regarding Tether, the stablecoin Tether, USDT, a stablecoin that holds its value at $1, and the team purported to have a 100% dollar to Tether backing, a one-to-one backing. So it means if everybody wanted all of their Tether back at the same time, everybody would be able to do it. The dollar isn't even reserved at that level. We have a fractional reserve. So that's a strong claim that the concern was that it was never proven with verifiable audits. And that was always a concern, especially because the tentacles of Tether permeate the entire ecosystem, meaning that especially for exchanges that are non-fiat exchanges, meaning you can't take a U.S. dollar and exchange that for any type of crypto. Um, oftentimes, people will use a stablecoin as the equivalent of fiat within the crypto ecosystem so that they don't have to cash out because, again, crypto transactions are considered property and taxed as such. So I have no idea. I can't read the tea leaves, but I will talk about Tether in a moment. But after hitting 58000 we have quite a dip There was an initial dip that those who purchase whenever there's a dip, and I'll talk about that in a moment as well, meaning a dramatic dip in price where you get more Satoshis, more Bitcoin for less. It dropped down to 52,163 and then 51,951, went back up a bit to 54,983 and then Talk about a dip going all the way down to 46,624 
during the February 23rd cycle. And even I'm looking now 46, almost went down to 45,000. And it's funny to talk about this because when I started my class from cash to crypto, you can learn more about that at fromcashtocrypto.com. When I started my courses online to introduce people, demystify the space, particularly black and brown communities, and particularly and especially for women um, as a matter of economic empowerment and generational wealth, Bitcoin at the time was $10,000. And people were wondering, is it going to go to $20,000? <laughs> Those days, I, I'm. this is not legal or financial advice. We're just talking from educational purposes. We may never see a $20,000 Bitcoin again in our lifetimes. We may, because we see how volatile it can be. But when you look at the historical data, and again, go to coinmarketcap.com, generally speaking, the lowest lows tend to be higher over time than the previous high. And that's been an interesting cycle to watch over time. So DYOR, as I say, do your own research. But that's a very interesting time. I say all that to say, no, it is not too late (laughs) for Bitcoin. Not all cryptocurrencies function in the same way. I don't have a dog in the fight. So again, this is from a, a perspective of education. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin created, and we have about 19 million in circulation now. So those who purchase and buy for the long haul are called hodlers. Sometimes people pronounce it hodl. It is now an intentional misspelling. It was an intentional misspelling back in the day when someone posted just to buy and hold, intended to say hold, and he typed H-O-D-L instead of H-O-L-D. And so that took on its own form. So now we call it hodling. You buy and you hold long. Many people who hodl also say they have no intention of selling their Bitcoin until after the final Bitcoin is mined or minted, created. That's when you'll know, one, the scarcity is locked in. No more will ever be created. And think of all the demand and interest in Bitcoin now, and we still have Bitcoin being minted, and what will happen when demand continues to rise, but supply is no longer, there's far less supply than there is demand. This is classic supply economics. So many hodlers don't intend to sell until at least after the final Bitcoin is minted. And who knows what those prices will be. Uh, JP Morgan is on the record now initially completely hating on, for lack of a better term, Bitcoin and the whole crypto ecosystem says it was all hype, et cetera, et cetera. Now, believing of some JP Morgan analysts believing that Bitcoin could hit six figures, it's compared to gold because of the scarcity, but it's digital gold and it is divisible, far easier than a bar of physical gold, obviously easier to transport because it's only crypto is, is digital as opposed to physical. So look into that. The final point I want to make about, no, it's not too late and start thinking about it is you can have a fractional purchase of a Bitcoin. A Satoshi is the minimum unit of measurement that can be used in the Bitcoin ecosystem or the Bitcoin system, I should say. And so a Satoshi named after the creator of Bitcoin, we don't know who Satoshi is, could be man, woman, group as part of the wonderful folklore in the space. But 
Satoshis are the smallest fraction in which you can divide a Bitcoin. And in the same way that a dollar is divisible into 100 cents, a Bitcoin is divisible into 100 million units called Satoshis. So Satoshis are to Bitcoin as cents are to dollars, if we remember from back in our school days. Now, one million sats or Satoshis are worth approximately $500 today. I think right now about $502. One million Satoshis, one million sats is the way we refer to it, are worth $500 today. And one billion Satoshis is approximately $500,000, half a million dollars. And as I say that, shout out to the Black Bitcoin Billionaires Club led by Isaiah Bitcoin Zay Jackson and Lamar Wilson. They are the visionaries behind the Black Bitcoin Billionaires Movement and the Clubhouse Takeover. Triple B is the biggest clubhouse group and growing by leaps and bounds. I'm a proud member. I believe very strongly in stacking sets and becoming a Black billionaire, Black Bitcoin billionaire, and just learning too. I love what they're doing in the space. If you never buy, and um, they believe that you certainly should, that uh, you definitely want to learn. Learn. I say learn before you earn. They say learn while you earn. And I like that very much too. Look, Black folks are on the block. Speaking of block, check out the Black Bitcoin Billionaires Room Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern. It's called the Genesis Block Room. And they have programming every day, actually. It's the crypto voice of the people. So join Triple B as hundreds discuss Bitcoin, crypto, and generational wealth building from all angles. Super smart brothers and sisters in that space and allies working together to ensure economic empowerment. You can get in, you can buy as little as $5, open your cash app, go to the fourth tab, make a purchase and start over time. I teach in my class about dollar cost averaging. Many people are, because they're, they tend to be first time investors um, or first generation investors, they have some knowledge of dollar cost averaging, which just means buy the same amount on a regular interval once a week every two weeks, every time you get a paycheck, every time you get quote unquote extra money (laughs) to have a specific amount, whether it's $5, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, the same amount over time. And then you are not chasing the price action over time, especially for something like Bitcoin. I've started talking about DCA or dollar cost averaging meets BTD, buy the dip. DCA meets BTD, buy the dip. So I went through that seven-day price action for Bitcoin for a reason to say you might, in addition to a dollar cost averaging approach to something like Bitcoin, also focus on those moments where you buy the dip. Maybe you have some savings and it's a rare opportunity to get more with less. Remember, Scarcity is built into the Bitcoin protocol, the protocol meaning software. If you don't know what all this means, please join me at an upcoming masterclass. They're free. I do them generally once a month. I have one coming up in March. Go to fromcashtocrypto.com, sign up, and we can take a deeper dive into some of this terminology. But DCA meets BTD. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot more. There are a lot of dips because Crypto tends to be very volatile unless, again, we're talking about a stable coin that holds its value. DCA meets BTD. 
Get at it. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals, to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. The Advantage Evans Method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed, comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise, live coaching, networking opportunities, and more. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto to help you buy your first Bitcoin, and there are two ways to get your advantage. Advantage Evans Encore gives you maximum experience for your total competitive advantage and access for one year. It includes a live welcome and modules on terminology, buying and selling, exchanges, mining, earning crypto, trading and investing, and also several of the legal issues you need to know in order to be safe and secure as you enter this space. That includes tax compliance, how to plan for a Bitcoin estate, and securities laws to make sure you avoid any legal unforced errors. Now, Advantage Core gives you the essentials. It's a short course to give you what you want and the support you need to buy your first crypto in as little as three weeks with access to the information and replays for three months. And if you're not quite ready for your Advantage and want a sneak peek to try before you buy, then register for a free masterclass where I share my Crypto 101 success checklist and cover current hot topics in crypto. So there truly is something for everyone, including you, to get in on the fast track and learn and earn in the digital economy. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get started. That's AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. All right, a couple of news items and then we'll get out of here. The Global Business Blockchain Council has this fantastic legal roundup around the world. I picked a couple of items to mention or one item in particular to mention about what the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen stated recently about blockchain-based digital dollar conversations here in the United States. And then I will also talk about the Bitfinex and Tether settlement with the New York Attorney General Letitia James, who is extraordinary, an extraordinary attorney and attorney general. She pulls zero punches and she's excellent at what she does. And she proves that every day. Um, We've been waiting to hear what was going to happen with Tether and Bitfinex um, in this multi-year investigation. So I'll say more about that in a moment. But first, 
Secretary Yellen stated that a blockchain-based digital dollar maintained by the Federal Reserve could create, quote, faster, safer, and cheaper payments, but raised the following questions. Um, Her questions are, what would be the impact on the banking system? Would it cause a huge movement of deposits out of banks and into the Fed? Would the Fed deal with retail customers or try to do this at a wholesale level? And are there financial stability concerns? Additionally, how would we manage money laundering and illicit finance issues? There are a lot of things to consider here, she says, but it's worth looking at. And she added that she does not think that Bitcoin is widely used as a transaction mechanism. It's an extremely inefficient way of conducting transactions. And the amount, she says, of energy that's consumed in processing those transactions is staggering. Uh, We often hear environmental concerns when talking about the methodology and the amount of energy used by computers in order to, or mining rigs in order to mint Bitcoin. That's a, a conversation and a topic we'll cover for a different day. So what does all this mean? Back in 2019, and, and pro- probably even before, the United States was considering a digital form of the United States dollar, the digital dollar. In fact, um, Chairwoman Waters in the, the House Financial Services Committee had introduced a digital dollar into the original version of the CARES Act. The digital dollar did not survive enactment, but that conversation continues about what the United States might do about having a digital cryptographically secured equivalent, perhaps utilizing a permissioned blockchain in some way. Um, And also the Federal Reserve, thinking about central bank digital currency as well. China is ahead in terms of considering and not just considering, but implementing a central bank digital reserve currency. So we will look out for that. But the fact that the United States is considering a digital dollar and central banks around the world are considering this as well means if you don't know how money works, start there before even getting into crypto. Well, I know for me, researching and educating in this space has really helped me to understand just what is value, what is money and how the United States banking system works and how banking works around the world to understand the power of cryptocurrencies as an alternative non-government issued form of money, and then what governments will do to leverage this new technology in a way that makes banking better, faster, cheaper is the way that I describe it. So we shall see. Now, back to Bitfinex Tether's settlement with the New York AG James that ends the multi-year investigation into Tether's reserve claims. My question there have a couple of questions, but my first question is, some say that settlement amount is a little low and, and wondering if, you know, at an $18.5 million settlement, is it a slap on the wrist? What does it say? What are How are we to read the tea leaves to figure out what is going on and what it means? Clearly, we see what it means in New York. What does it mean for other states? And so my question is, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but definitely pull up the report. I'd go directly to the attorney general's website. Coindesk has some great coverage on it as well. But if you go directly to the attorney general's website at ag.ny.gov and check out the release about this, then that gives you everything that you really need to know. 
um, that Attorney General James ends the virtual currency trading platform Bitfinex's illegal activities in New York. This is reading directly from New York's press release. I'm sure that it might be phrased a little differently if you look at it from Tether's point of view. The agreement with iFinex, Tether, and their related entities will require them to cease any further trading activity with New Yorkers, as well as force the companies to pay $18.5 million in penalties, in addition to requiring a number of steps to increase transparency. Remember that with regulation, regulation is protecting consumers and in- investors, and also, it, it, it one of the methods or means or, or ways of protecting consumers and investors is to solve for the asymmetry of information problem. What does that mean? When the person or the entity has the greatest amount of information, is attracting people to use a product or a service or make an investment without having all of the relevant information, the material information that a person needs in order to make an informed decision. And the biggest concern from the AG's perspective and others in the space was to answer the question whether Bitfinex and Tether misled the market about Tether's U.S. dollar backing. Was it truly a one-for-one, 100% protected stablecoin, meaning 100% reserve for Tether to dollars, and also whether Bitfinex and Tether misrepresented the status of the Tether reserves. After Bitfinex suffered that massive loss of funds in 2019, well, according to the settlement paperwork, AG James says that in fact, Bitfinex and Tether misled the market about the backing in 2017 and in 2019 misrepresented the status of Tether reserves after the loss of funds. And as a result, fines were levied, reporting requirements, and no operations in New York. So my question is whether Tether was too big to fail. How how do we read the settlement? Because we're all kind of guessing and looking at the same information. Other questions, what will other state attorneys general do? Will they follow suit with New York? What will come of this? Um, Interestingly, I'd be interested to know what a Wyoming may do because Wyoming and New York took very different approaches to crypto and the blockchain. The federal level, what will we see? Whenever you see a settlement, the defendant or target generally doesn't admit to wrongdoing, but does pay some fine and agree to some form of continued observation, reporting, and the like. And this scenario holds true to form in this case. So time will tell. I want you to keep this on your radar. But Tether was so important to so many non-fiat exchanges and other products in the space. And it seemed to be the preferred stablecoin. We see USDC is out there backed by Circle. Of course, DAI, uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, I am the chair of the MakerDAO's Maker Ecosystem Growth Foundation, part of the community, to support the further adoption and implementation of the MakerDAO and the Maker Protocol. The community is critically important in in driving that. And uh, the foundation is a part of the community. So time will tell. Stablecoins are a very important topic. Central bank digital currencies and What I mentioned earlier about dollar cost averaging and buying the dip, 
uh, in the case of Bitcoin specifically. So this is my first ping the prof. <laughs> and um, I've enjoyed hitting some of the high notes. I will always end ping the prof with a shout out. And I am really excited. Several years ago, I wrote a law review article called Crypto Kitties, Cryptography and Copyright. It focused on non-fungible tokens. So if you don't know what an NFT is, definitely look it up. Coindesk.com has some great information as well. This is not sponsored by Coindesk. I just happen to think that it is a, a very valuable resource in the space. There are a lot of places. You could also go to niftygateway.com, niftygateway.com and find out more information. So anyway, I say all that to say, shout out to Micah Johnson, former uh, major league baseball player. And now I'm reading from niftygateway.com because as they write there, it's not too often that you hear a major league baseball player trading his bat for a paintbrush, but that's exactly what Micah Johnson did in 2018. And what started as a way to escape the anxiety, writes Nifty Gateway, the anxiety and pressure of playing a professional sport has turned into a full-time vocation. And Micah's works feature strong gestural charcoal lines complemented with subtle, vibrant colors. And his work has been collected throughout the world. Recently on Nifty Gateway, he had a silent auction, 15-minute auction, combined with the first physical Aku sculptures. Micah has created this character with a helmet on, like a NASA-inspired visionary exploration helmet. And in addition to the NFT, which is the crypto token, there is a physical sculpture and whoever holds the keys and the NFT, I should say, will exert ownership over the physical sculptures and receive those as well. So that is extremely exciting. No two Akus will ever be the same. They are signed. They are numbered. Winning bids for nine items for Aku.002 through 010. Those winning bids ranged from the equivalent in USD of $17,650 to over $100,000, $100,050. Amazing. Congratulations, Micah. Not only for those initial purchases, those initial final bids, but also what happens on the secondary market. Um, that's going to be my time to get out of here, but I celebrate you, Micah, and I'm really excited about what's going on in the NFT space. You're going to hear a lot more about the use case for Nifty or NFT tokens in collectibles and provenance of art. And I'm really excited about digital art in general and crypto art in particular. So again, congratulations. Um, I love the quote from Jacqueline Nepal, co-founder of Art Angels. Finding new ways to support our artists' careers has always been at the forefront of our initiatives for Art Angels. And she goes on to say, we are offering collectors an incomparable opportunity to keep their artworks in pristine condition during a time when the artwork can be traded and change hands multiple times. Very exciting. The NFT owner will be the only person allowed to view Aku within the Art Angels vault. Find out more about that at niftygateway.com or search Micah online, Micah Johnson. All right. 
That's all for this time of Ping the Prop. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media. On Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.